Welcome to the Healing While Black podcast, where we believe it's possible and necessary for Black people to heal, thrive, and celebrate our lives in the face of injustice. We'll highlight the often unheard voices and perspectives of Black people on a range of topics that impact our lives. I'm Misty. And I'm Kiana. And we're two Black women therapists with real lives trying to heal while Black and figure it all out too. Thanks for joining us. You ready? Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about music and how it can be healing for Black folks. We're going to highlight how music and song has been accessed by Black folks, whether through creating it or taking it in as a way to celebrate, lift the spirit, cope, process, communicate with each other, or just deal with our our collective woes. Right. You know, music has played a role in Black life and Black culture since the beginning of Black life and Black culture. You know, music, drums, sound, vibration, all of that has been a part of our existence and continues to be a part of who we are. And today to to talk about how music can be healing for Black folks, uh, we have our special guest uh, who's an artist, teacher, priestess, and energy worker, and a dear, dear friend of mine, Kidada, uh, who will talk about her experience with music, creating it uh, and engaging with it. You got to check this woman out. Her energy is on, it's on fire. It's infectious. I felt it through the, uh, the Zoom video. Like, <laughs> That's serious. <laughs> so we look forward to this episode. Um, before we get into the interview, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the role that music has played within the Black community historically and presently. Right. And also for us personally, you can look back to the motherland, you know, you can look back to mm-hmm. Africa and see the importance and the role that music has played, even though I've never personally been there or experienced it, the things that I've witnessed mm. and the stories that have been told have music somewhere involved in in that tradition and i think it sort of also gets transmitted down through our through our bones in some <laughs> some way you know like, i think it's just in our spirits absolutely. absolutely absolutely right um um or just in african culture in general music has been um in song um has been a a huge part in in all facets of life right you know the way people celebrate you know marriages and rites of passages um it's often used in a spiritual way as well right to kind of ward off or you know connect with you know the spirit world and you know to pay respects right to our ancestors absolutely Right. right um it's a way to tell story. It was mm-hmm. a way to, to tell story, to have uh, generations and mm-hmm. generations pick up and learn um, what our ancestors had to say or experience. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. When we think of the griots, right, the the, the storytellers, oftentimes the, the musicians and the sort of artists. Right. And they were the ones that would pass down history through music, um, through art. Um, and culture. Um, And so it is important. And I think our 
our kind of more recent ancestors got to experience that, right? Despite the the fact that they were enslaved, right? Um, right. You know. So they took that that tradition mm-hmm. and embodied and brought it with them when mm-hmm. they were stolen and brought here. Exactly. And that was something that lived inside of them. And I think today lives inside of us because of that experience. Absolutely. That was something that wasn't able to be taken away from us, right? Everything else was, you know, taken away. We were removed from our land, you know, our culture and language and all of that stuff. Sort of, we were kind of robbed of those things, but, you know, music and rhythm and and song and um, was something that we were able to hold on to, right? And helped our ancestors kind of move through being enslaved, that system of slavery, right? Right. And in so many ways, music or song was used by enslaved Africans, right? They would mm-hmm. use it to communicate routes of freedom. Like, yep, we been slick. We been we been <laughs> slick with the tongue. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. We've been right. able to get what we need done. You know, like I'm about to sing you. I'm about to girl wait in this water. Okay, wait in this water. Like, I'll smell your tracks. Okay. <laughs> right. Like we, a, we, this yeah. Is, we've been on this. And when we had the space and the opportunity, it was an expression of, of ourselves. And it was part of that expression was the joy that they couldn't take from us. I'm going to be able to do this and control this in the way that I need to out of the eyes of the oppressor and Mm. i'm still going to be able to get a part of what reminds me of what it means to exist as a Mm. human what reminds me of what wakes my spirit up what reminds me that you know i am this this kind of magic right Mm, i love and i think a lot of what enslaved africans must have felt at a certain point was this is this is I can control this this part I can control Mm -hmm. you can't take that spirit of the drum from within me you can't take you know the songs that my grandmother taught me that her grandmother taught her like you can't Mm -hmm. take those things away from me anymore and that part you may want to control my body Mm. you may think you can control my mind right but this this is mine you can't have it mine right Right. Absolutely. Right. And so in a way, it's sort of like music was a way that in, you know, our, our people have always got to have always been able to express a sense of freedom. Right. Even yeah. in moments when we were shackled. Right. And we were enslaved. And I think, you know, it's, it's also, you know, help, you know, our ancestors to get through rough times. Right. I mean, and I think mm-hmm. we can say that, too. Music does that now as well. Right. Um, you know, talk about you know, the old um, uh, Negro spirituals, right? That was all about connecting to the experience of oppression, essentially, right? And Or not right. connecting to it, but like kind of being able to cope with it, right? Um, right. And, and so they, the spirituals kind of came from, you know, the Christian tradition, but really, you know, enslaved folks were able to, to kind of take that and turn it into something that that served them. They were able right. to connect to those experiences in the Bible about slavery and, and oppression and everything and, and, and work through, you know, their, their daily experiences with that. Um, right. That, that aspect of black music, if we're talking religious music, uh, you know, even in our generations, uh, not 
too many generations before us. You know, we mm-hmm. you'll have your grandmother in the kitchen singing <laughs> some, you know, gospel song because she, you know, times is tough. And she's like, This is what's gonna get me through, is to yeah. know I have this connection. She, you know, she had that belief that God was going to see her through. That was her connection, you know, and that we could have a whole different kind of conversation about that. But you know what I mean? Like that was what gave her the strength to mm-hmm. push through and to persevere yes. and to be resilient ha- in ways that we always have had to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. from an ego spiritual to a, to a gospel song, that ability to get us through tough times and, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes trauma is so powerful, but not mm-hmm. only in religious music, that power is in all music that, yes. you know, if it means that to you then it's going to get you through like a tough time and a good song come on peanut butter and jelly (laughs) did you say peanut butter and jelly (laughs) yes they go together (laughs) like peanut butter and jelly we use it to help get get through those tougher times and so you know sometimes helps to remind ourselves that there is this is temporary there's going to be a brighter day yeah yeah music helps us right at the end of the day right absolutely it shows up everywhere for us too you know what I mean it shows up in our celebrations right Mm -hmm. it shows up in our parties it shows up at our cookouts it shows up at our family reunions I mean there are black songs played at every single black reunion ever created in America you know what those black songs are song and dance you're doing some version of the electric slide (laughs) I don't care what you call it I mean we shows up if uh, at our funerals you know what I mean like there is music my grandmother passed away there was mm-hmm. it was a party yep. there was music there was singing there was drumming there was dancing like mm. I don't know that I've been to a funeral for a family member you know abroad or here where the repas wasn't a party after, at a certain point right right we're it celebrating is. we're dancing. absolutely we're, we're singing it always right is. we're it celebrating that life and even at the funerals themselves, right? If you get the funeral in the church, the, the choir singing. Oh, they sing. Yep. Uncle Jimbo singing, you know, <laughs> auntie who's like 97, she gonna sing something right, too. Right. Like everybody singing. We singing. It's, our, it's our expression of emotion. <laughs> so we want to welcome Kidada. Um, and, you know, really thankful that she's been able to, to come and, and bless us with her presence um, and, and talk about her experience with music. Um, so Kidada, um, as I said earlier, is an artist um, and a musician. Uh, she's also a teacher, a priestess and an energy worker. And so just a lot of power there. She and I go way back to our days in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, she and her husband, Chaka, who's another great friend of mine, are part of this out-of-this-world duo called Riders Against the Storm, Ross. And they've done some wonderful work out in Austin, Texas, um, and they've really done a whole lot to really transform the music scene out in, in Texas. Uh, so we are really blessed to have Kidada here. Um, not only is she one of the most talented people that I know, um, but I've always known uh, Kidada to have this bountiful, lively spirit about her, grounded and elevated at the same time. So excited to have her with us today. So let's get into it. Yeah, I guess if you can start um, by just telling us a little bit about yourself and and and, and what what you do. Sure. Uh, so my name is Kidada. I'm one half of uh, Riders Against the Storm. We're a music group 
based in Austin, Texas, um, but we've worked all over the place. And uh, we also do curation and activations for uh, corporate um, entities like Lululemon, uh, HGTV, uh, Facebook, etc. We are also on the other side of things, civic leaders and spiritual practitioners. So our whole mission is to find how all of these fuse so we can influence uh, contemporary culture um, to find more humane indigenous ways um, to participate in business and industry and just like feel better about life. Wonderful. And I also myself, and just to kind of stay on track with myself, I'm a, a spiritual practitioner. So I do coaching um, and I uh, do like spiritual counseling for different, different uh, people who request it. Very interesting. What got you kind of interested in this journey, going down this path as a creative a musician, a spiritual teacher? Uh, I just, I just, I just um, never want, I just, I've gotten fired from anything (laughs) (laughs) I kind of fired just kind of walked out of jobs that just were not um golly they just were good at one point because I was trying to convince myself of that and then I was just like well what do you do just do what you do what do you do um I've always done it I've always danced I've always been in theater I've always you know, make music. I've always enjoyed all of this. This is just what I always did. And at a certain point, my husband and I both were like, okay, are we going to do this? Because if we're going to do this, we have to make some drastic changes. Mm. Um, And that those can be really scary. Um, So it's really nice to be at a place where things are stable and really strong um, to help folks who've been in that, who are in that situation, trying to make that, those decisions and be able to like, no, it's possible. Nah, you good. But yeah, no, it's work and it, it'll try you, you know, but mm-hmm. it was, it was just, I just couldn't resist being who I was. It's mm-hmm. really long and short of it. I just it was mm-hmm. calling you. You couldn't, re- couldn't run from it, huh? I love that. It was just the natural state of things. So I just, I decided to rock with the natural state of things. Nice. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, so tell us about the music you create and how it lends itself to healing for black folks. So um, it's interesting because uh, we've, when we first came to Austin, for example, or we were coming out of an era, this was like 10 years ago. So we were coming out of an era where people were still separating music quite a bit. So like you had, you know, mainstream rap music um, and then you have what people call underground rap music. And even that had another moniker be like a, a conscious rap music. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, it was really frustrating, but people would constantly put us in the conscious rap music segment. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, that's not an insult, but it definitely boxes you in. It definitely makes people feel like there's only a certain place you belong. Mm. Um, and so the first sector of our career the first portion of our career was really like proving that wrong was like no we can rock anything Mm. and um we make music so if we can play with Willie Nelson and have we can play with most deaf and have we can play with Michael Franti and we have we can play at uh you know a, a, a tech um you know, industry, you know, summit and, and have, we've, we've played, we've done all kinds of things um, to kind of break those, um, break those ideas and those barriers down. Because at the end of the day, we make music. 
And I could say we make hip hop music, but really we make black music. So you might hear us do um, some go-go music since y'all over there in DC. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. One of our, one of our biggest hits <laughs> actually is a song called Booty Sweat. And it's a, it's a go-go beat. <laughs> um, uh, and we also will find influences, you know, some stuff that has some reggae, some stuff. Right now we're working on a record um, that's mostly like house and um, freestyle. Y'all remember like freestyle music? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 that it's all and, and really how and really freestyle music is is latin music like that's kind of like what puerto ricans were were creating in the yep. urban scene back in the day you know so yep. um it, it lends to black people because our we don't limit ourselves to like this one concept of blackness Absolutely. We have a broad sense of blackness we've been around a broad sense of blackness yeah. and in ourselves you know, as, as black people, we just have a lot of different aspects here ourselves. So we're, we're, we're okay with expressing that. And I think that makes black people feel freer to be like, oh, I could be all these different things mm. and not get my card, my black card jacked or whatever, you know? Right. Yes. I That's love tough, that. to say the least. Um, yeah. I like how you say you go into these different spaces, but you take yourselves, you take your black music into these spaces. And even if they interpreted as black or not it still is what it is it sounds like nothing but authenticity right. yeah it's it, it's it's it took time to get to that mm. you know like it just takes time it takes time I think I forget who the artist that was it was just like it took a long time for me to sound like myself it's kind of kicking me that I don't remember who it was. <laughs> um, okay. but then like might've been Miles Davis. It's like, it took a long time for me to sound like myself. Um, and so for us, it was like, how do we, how do we create this signature experience or energy that can really ride in any uh, container? Right. Um, yeah. Like when we first moved to Austin, I, I was, we were so broke. We were so broke. Where'd you come from? Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, I should have. I, I mean, come known. on now. <laughs> you were saying when you first got to texas yeah. it was authenticity in yeah so when we first got to texas um you know as far as being able to put ourselves in whatever container like i was we were so broke i was slinging tacos um but obviously i'm not mexican um and i didn't want to be disrespectful to the mexican culture so i was like well what could i sell so i started to sell patties right Mm -hmm. um, like Caribbean patties but I made like this vegan version or whatever you know just trying to sell stuff after the club but folks it was difficult because folks didn't know what patties were they they, they had no mm -hmm. ah. patty. Mm -hmm. Jamaican food had not Jamaican food had not hit Austin until about six years ago six wow. to seven years ago. Wow. they didn't know what I was talking about when I said a patty they really wow. didn't uh, right it's amazing yeah right we grew up with patties right, right. Like, Hello. Patties. <laughs> like what so um so I was like, okay, well, I'll make Caribbean tacos. So I took Caribbean, you know, styled foods and I would put it in the taco instead. So codfish or some plantains, whatever mm. you got, and I would put it in the taco. Um, uh, uh, because Shaka was just like, well, people don't know what a patty is. So you have to put it in a container they know. Mm. So put it in a taco. Wow. Put whatever it is that you do, you know, and just put it in a taco. Put it in whatever <laughs> container people are familiar with and they'll mm. consume it. Um, right. So it was yeah. a way to that kind concept. of think about, 
that concept. Mm-hmm. It was the yep. first kind of first kind of like solidification of how mm-hmm. we could brand and and project ourselves um, into the community and uh, ourselves as a business. It's like, well, how do we keep ourselves authentic? We can keep the, the contents secure, but the container it has to be a recognizable, right. comfortable one. Right. Yeah. Right. That's real. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in, in a way, it's sort of, you know. It become it's recognizable to folks, and then it also gives folks the opportunity to, or it kind of gives folks permission to, to kind of branch out and and be themselves, right? You know, you being able to kind of show that, right. yeah, sure, this is in the container, this container, but like, look what's in that container, right? You know, like right. it's very right, broad and, and wide open, and 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 you know, and. Yeah. Right. Okay. First, you make them comfortable by giving them what they yep. know. You pull them in with the comfort level, and then you smack yep. them. Taste this uh, jerk chicken taco. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, but you give you give them what you want them to have in a way that they feel comfortable receiving it. That's yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like this, you saying, and then they get expanded. Like we stretched yeah. ourselves, and then they stretch themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that. So what took you from tacos to music or how'd you get from tacos to... Oh, the music was, was there the whole time. It was just, I need, we needed something. No one knew who we were. Okay. You know, Austin is 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 still the Bible about as liberal as people say it's racist. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a long time, they were not letting um, hip hop acts play downtown, play in the clubs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, like like almost a, almost a literal ban. It was definitely not a literal ban, but the definitely right. was, no, we don't do hip hop. You know, right. wow. saying that um, hmm. um, for a lot of reasons. And so a lot of the pioneers of hip hop down here had to do their own thing and were doing great things without the establishments and without the industry. Um, but it definitely came a point where it's like, OK, we're not going to do segregation anymore like that. We're supposed to be done with that. We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, so certain apertures started to happen and we were part of those movements that were taking place about 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, when we first got here, so they, the downtown wouldn't rock with us. So we played at community centers. We played at, you know, different nonprofits and things like that. People who were at home with social justice work and spiritual work that we were accustomed to, we could just um, build ourselves from there. And then those people would branch out and st- start telling more people. Um, and uh, eventually things just got undeniable. Shaka was, was just really, you know, he came up in social justice, so he understood what it means to advocate for something and, you know, what it means to like have to harass someone to get something done mm-hmm. that, is, that is, you know, uh, about protecting the status quo. So he kind of used, it was really interesting, his, his, his style of management was really um, branched from social justice work. Um, so we brought a lot of those types of tactics um, disruptive tactics, also just like, you know, just like uh, going hard to the paint kind of tactics to get your message across and break a door open and uh, start having people pay attention. So Would you say you guys are, were pivotal in that change for Texas or for Austin? I, I would say so. Um, I would say that we were a part of it. We were a big part of it, though. I can't take, we can't say that it's completely us, but we were oh, right. a big part of it. Yeah. We were a big part of it. Uh, oftentimes when people, um, uh, you know, address us, they just say, you know, how refreshed is so refreshing. Like you guys just brought, you just refresh the whole atmosphere here. A little bit of um, healing, huh? Yeah. yeah, definitely. A whole lot of healing energy because that was always our, our intention 
was because we came from social justice. We came from, you know, Misty knows the storytellers <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. And, yeah. In, in Providence, Rhode Island, and the kind of work they do about bringing people together. And um, so we just transferred that energy of like our elders and story time and teachings and all that. We just transferred it to hip hop. Um, and so people kind of started to feel something new because like it's hip hop, but there's something very nurturing about it. It's hip hop, but there's something, it's making my heart do subtle different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's allowing me to kind of like feel more vulnerable, but also feel more alive and not necessarily feel um, whatever the standards were for hip hop or whatever might have been lost. I think it was always there in hip hop, but it kind of got right. lost mm-hmm. as it expanded. Um, so it was refreshing to kind of bring that back, but not, but again, bring it in a new container, not have it be this same style that was stuck in a frozen in time. Brilliant. Yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit about and I think Body Rock, right, was probably right. part of like your work with Body Rock was part of, you know, some yeah. of that. Can you talk a little bit about um, Body Rock and the concept and, yeah, and what you were creating there? Right. So, for, I mean, obviously, folks may not know. So Body Rock is a dance party that we've been throwing for the last 10 years. Obviously, COVID shut that down. Um, so we haven't had any parties this year, but it's a party hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people would go to every month for 10 years. Obviously at the beginning, it was a bit more difficult, um, but it was important for us because we f- was the first thing that we really did when we first got down here. Our partner, DJ Chorizo Funk, was actually the one who came to us and be like, I had this night, someone gave me a night. I was thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. the party in LA that I think is kind of cool. Maybe we could do something like that here, kind of an homage to uh, hip hop in its original format, you know, DJ, two MCs at a party, you know, getting things going. So we decided to do that. And I think it was teaching us as we were bringing things to it. So I, I think we always were really good at gatherings and having fun and parties. And, you know, we used to have a comedy group and all of these different things that we used to do. Um, but um, it, it definitely, um, allowed me to find some things about myself, um, as far as being able to conduct, um, energy over people's hearts. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it allowed me to see the power of being completely open to, to, um, I, I can't, I still can't put a word to it without getting very, esoteric and I and I feel like that can turn people you can go off there. okay Please. Sounds good. <laughs> yep. um, but like getting in divine energy and and calling and, and having divine energy really consume you as a container again we'll go back to the cold container mm-hmm. um, but letting divine energy consume you as a container and then allowing it to to, to to transform you in the moment very very quickly and then shoot that out to people um, is pretty intense. Um, and it took some time to learn what that, what that process was or be comfortable in feeling that like, okay, so I have to really let myself go and let myself be taken over, um, by divine energy because, um, in that particular setting, in the party setting, um, there are droves of people and all those people are open, but what are they open to? Mm -hmm. So, like the, the term that we coined is that parting is the bastard child of ceremony. Um, okay. Yeah, partying is the bastard child of ceremony. So when you look at 
when you look at partying and you look at ceremony, they have very similar qualities. People are trying to get open. People are um, trying to have uh, an experience. They're trying to let go. They're trying to be free. They're trying to do all of these things. The difference between the party and the ceremony is that the ceremony has an intention. It has a quality to it, as opposed to the party, which can be a distraction, even a great distraction or a, a dismal distraction, mm -hmm. but it, it can still, it doesn't have necessarily the, the quality of an intention over it, like opening your heart, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So now take the, the idea of the, the, a ceremony being able to help people open their hearts, but put it in a club. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. Right. Put it again. This goes back to our theme. It's like put it in, put it in a container that you're okay with. Yeah, like, so you know real. What I mean? wow. Put it in a taco. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So the club's a taco this time. The club's a taco. Yep. Um, you're not gonna come to a a, a more um, uh, you know, a spiritual space. You're not gonna come to a. Most people have so many qualms about their denominations and all of these different things. It's like, well, what is it? What if we just don't concern take, ourselves with that and right. take the essence of what's happening there mm -hmm. and bring it to the space where everyone comes regardless of their background, mm -hmm. right? And so when you, when you do that, um, all of these people with all these different backgrounds who usually would come to a club and actually just stick with their friends anyway, start to have a more religious standard, view, if you will, right? So literally... It, it has become that for many people. It has become church for many people. That's how people have the experience of body rock. I mean, to the point where people will ask Shaka and I, you know, to come to their wedding. People ask us to bless their children. People bring their children. They bring their baby to the club because they, 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 the energy is, what is so, is so um, extraordinary. It's so in, in, inviting. It's so pure. It's so wonderful. It's so loving. It's so... Oh, um, encompassing that they're like, I just want my baby to feel this. It's, it, you know, I'll, I'll leave at 1030 or whatever, but I just right. want him to feel it. <laughs> it um, sounds like, um, it sounds like in the way that you described the body rock experience, uh, as opposed to religion, it sounds, or like a church experience. It sounds like the body rock is church, but expanded and free. Not yeah. with as many boundaries or rules or regulations to kind of fit into a certain structure, but to have the feelings, but the freedom to have and express them how they see fit. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a really safe space. And I think that's what made it popular. So you'll have the, that's the whole thing that's really beautiful is there'll be people that I know are just, for example, very, very Christian or very, very Muslim, um, and, you know, some of the Muslim folks, a couple of just a handful of Muslim folks have ever come, but they won't drink or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, but they'll come because they still enjoy the, the, the dance, the music, you know, mm -hmm. um, they'll come, but they'll all, but the, <laughs> and they'll come because they feel like it's not a dirty. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You right. know what I'm saying? But at the same time, the queer community will come because they they're happy that they can be in this. They don't have to be they can be in a space outside of the one they've created for themselves and feel safe. And still feel good. Right. And feel safe and feel fine being themselves. So now you have these people with very different ideologies. And for a moment, the, the their core beliefs stay with them, but the, the, the concerns about what each other thinks about them isn't mm -hmm. there because they're just swimming in a mm -hmm. vibration. That's, wow. 
they're just swimming in a vibration. And all that matters right right then in that moment is the bass drop and how I'm feeling when right. I'm looking at you as that bass drop. <laughs> right. Yes. You love the bass drop. Let me tell you about the power the of the bass drop. That joy could change lives. Right. bass <laughs> drop. <laughs> it's like body rock is is like healing in the club kind of you know like i love that wow and really there's a few clubs historically that's really what it should be for but you know money gets into it it's dangerous it's all of these different things but there's a great documentary called jewels jewels catch one Uh, but it was a nightclub that was started in the 70s maybe 60s definitely in the 70s and this was a woman who was a queer woman. And at first it was like a, a nightclub for um, people of color, queer people of color to be able to come and be safe and hang out. Blah, 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 blah. But eventually, long enough, you know what I mean? It just became the spot. Madonna did stuff there, all of that jazz, right? But what's really beautiful is the owner eventually herself started to go on a track of sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that track of sobriety and healing herself, she really started to register like the healing power of the club. Um, and she also like, even to the point where she started uh, like a, a pay what you can acupuncture clinic across mm-hmm. the street from the club. She started like a, a community market that was a part mm-hmm. of the club. You know, I think there was the health food restaurant that was connected to that in that whole little plaza um, where the club was. And, and so this healing love, that was mm. out of the club literally started to spill out and just take over the block. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're a lot, they're quite, you know, we're that we're, we're the next generation of that, you know, she's retired now and sold and all that. But I think there's a core group of people in the world who's like, I'd love to party. I just, but I don't like hurting myself or watching people get right. hurt or feeling like that has to be a part of nightlife. Um, the night in many cultures is very sacred thing. And like, what does it mean for us to revisit that and revitalize it. Today, we'd like to take a moment and let you know about an amazing product brought to you by an amazing black woman. It's a coloring book titled, I'm Great and I Know It. This coloring book was created by Doreen Vale, who is amongst many things, an amazing singer. Doreen created this coloring book along with a song entitled, Song Baby. Both the coloring book and the song was inspired by Doreen's daughter, my best friend, Taryn, who passed away last year. Taryn was an amazing educator and inspired and loved children like no one I've ever known. Help keep her legacy alive and give your kids the joy of understanding their greatness. You can grab a copy of the coloring book on Amazon.com. Also, we will leave information in our show notes. Once again, grab yourself this book. It's going to change your children's lives. So in that breath, then what would you, what would you say is the healing power of music? What makes it so effective? What makes... Oh, like specifically for black people? I mean, if we could. That's profound. It's a huge question. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you can see from this conversation, it's real as a mug. It's so real. It's everything. I tell you what, for black people, music vibration in that regard is nutritional. Mm. It's It's not just like something you hear, but it's something we absorb. Um, all life absorbs, you know, vibration from one thing or another. The sun it emits its rays and, you know, it affects things. And uh, we can get into the whole science of that. 
Um, but specifically, even if you look at the science of just like what repels energy versus what absorbs energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the darker, darker hues, deeply, more deeply melanated you are, the more ability that you have to actually, the more need you have actually to take in vibrational nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, like if you have a car that's black, you know, and you touch it and the sun's hitting it, it's hotter than a yeah. car that's white, right? Because mm-hmm. it's taking on more energy. Uh, the nutritional factor of it um, is really important. Like if you see so many people who may have Alzheimer's, for example, and you play music for them, regardless mm-hmm. of their, their skin tone, they can actually, you know, step out of their regression. Mm-hmm. I saw this old woman who was a ballerina. They, she couldn't, I want to say she couldn't see and she may have had Alzheimer's or something like that. But the moment they played the music she used to dance to, her body Mm -hmm. came alive. She was in a wheelchair, but her arms started moving in the way that it would prior when she was an actual dancer. So, so (laughs) so true. Yeah, Yeah, no, I think because there's a a vibration the the vibe, your, your body is made up of those elements. So it just, it just instantly connects to that potential. It just instantly connects to it. Just those wirings just never die um, mm-hmm. because it, it is what we are eternally. It, 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 before, before we can read, before we can walk, before we can dance, we make sound. Yeah. You know, the, the, before we learn how to talk, you know, we just feel. And then whatever that feeling is, is the sound we let out. So for Black people, the healing component to it, it I, I feel like one of the key things, one of the key things for us historically in the Atlantic, uh, in this side of the Atlantic, um, Mm -hmm. was that music was just something we could use to um, maintain ourselves. We weren't allowed to own anything. We weren't allowed to speak Mm -hmm. our our foreign languages, our our previous languages. We weren't allowed to, um, you know, so much of ourselves which is which is not permitted yep music was even after they took our drums uh Mm -hmm. in this in this part of the world um in north america when drums were taken we were still able to uh well you know we'll figure out we don't need the drum we'll just slap our thighs and call it hand bone or whatever we'll Mm -hmm. uh, we'll 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 play these same rhythms but we'll do it on a fiddle Mm -hmm. um We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll find some way to keep this energy alive because who we are is actually encoded in these, in these vibrations, mm. you know, and that's yeah. why you could come to something, something like hip hop, which is, you know, the most popular, powerful uh, genre of music in the world right now, yep. because um, it, it, it basically just comes down to, to the drum and your voice. We've kind of mm-hmm. come full circle mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. regard. And I think the understanding, the innate understanding of all of that was being carried all those years was just like, as long as you have a beat, your own heartbeat, the beat, that steady awareness of life, the beat, the beat, the beat, and you have the ability to um, express the vibration that's in you, Mm -hmm. you know, what, however those things uh, find each other, that you can have, you can source a great deal of power. Um, and, and, and for us, I feel like music for black people is about power as much as it's not so much about entertainment. 
Um, it's not just so much about joy. It's not just about memories, good and different memories. It's not just about the, uh, the, the, the escapism of it. Right. But music, it was, was about, it was about power. Like if you were a great, you can still see it. If you were a great musician on a plantation, like, you know, you had it a little easier. Um, and, uh, you were able to send codes and messages to people. You're able to sing and get free, um, because there's just so much license in music. So music was, was so pivotal for us to get free, for us to feel alive, for us to have, that was our therapy. We didn't get to, yeah. there was no other therapy. Exactly. There was no other therapy allowed to, we had to sing it out or we had to moan about it and we had to, mm-hmm. you know, just, just express our distress, um, through that and, and create beautiful melodies and tones mm-hmm. um, because of the, the the authenticity and the 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 need for the expression, the deep need to have it, it be expressed, you know? That's what no. I was going to say, the need, that need, it, it, no matter where we are, where we're put or how we're kept, that need has to escape us. And I feel yeah. like it always finds a way to get out. It will be through the hum. It will be through yeah. the whatever, but it, yeah. it has yeah. to escape us or, or I feel like, you know, yeah. Oh, at least I would explode. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, no, you would explode. And I, and I love that. Um, right. That it has to escape us. And I, and I think, that music was at that time sort of, you know, um, Kidati, you said music was sort of our therapy, you know, mm-hmm. at that time, you know, our ancestors therapy. And in the same way that, you know, we talk about kind of historical trauma sort of getting passed on through the generations, I do feel like music has been one of those things, those healing kind of practices that we have, you know, that has you know, transferred, you know, from generation to generation as well, right? Mm-hmm. As, as, you know, one of those, those healing practices that we've learned without even thinking about healing or anything like that. It's just it's in our DNA. Yeah. It, it's in our DNA is passed on through us, even like you were saying, without our conscious knowledge mm-hmm. of it. But, you, you know, when you get to hearing right. a beat, Sometimes you're moving and you don't even know you're moving. Your body's like, there it is. That's, you know, that's, that's the spirit. I don't even realize I'm hearing the beat, but it's so real and it's so important. And I think they tried to take away everything else, but that they could not take away of that. We were able to control and keep, and they could not steal that. They could not steal our joy when it comes to, well, in a lot of ways, but specifically when we're talking about music. 100%. You know, because we we had a, a fantastic connection to music, you know, b- before any captivity um, yep. took place also. So there's right. there's yeah. that whole, you know, science and understanding about who we are and how we communicate and why it is that our children, for example, learn, learn better through rhythm. Like I remember my mom when she was in Haiti, she was like, you know, she was like, I don't understand. Like she hated the school system here because, you know, um, you just never understood why I was like, I was in, you know, college bound classes and all that. And she still felt like it was remedial to her. Mm. Um, because, well, firstly, when you're in a black country, your standards are different because everything you see is black. Right. So she came. Right. Um, so you don't have white teachers and white schools right. dictating to you what you're what you're capable of. Right. You know, kind of white supremacy play out in the same kind of way. Right. Right. 
Um, so she was like, when we were in school, I was doing algebra in second grade. You know what I mean? Like, how are you doing algebra in, in fifth, wow. fifth, sixth grade? Um, she was like, well, one thing was that we always learned everything in rhyme. Mm-hmm. Whatever their lesson mm-hmm. was, it was always done. It didn't necessarily rhyme that. Let me correct that. But it was always done in rhythm. That's how they memorized and learned anything. If you forgot it, as long as, but if you got back into the them it would come to right um so that is really powerful when you think about not just again like not just thinking about the music in in this in this just party atmosphere just feel good music kind of like enjoy enjoyment of it but actual scientifically how it mm-hmm. helped us and has helped us in a lot of ways I, I would firmly believe that if that was there with her then it would used to be there with us too um until we had mm-hmm. to get indoctrinated into yeah structures that didn't recognize how to activate our genius um and mm. music or care to activate our genius to activate our genius or right did not want to activate our genius exactly yeah so like the idea of music having that capacity also is part of who we are and I think that's coming full circle now and I, now I see a, a lot more of that like on YouTube and people sharing posts of teachers you know, teaching their children, you know, through hip hop or what have you. Oh yeah, you know the old smash and grab. All right, you're like no, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't start this, you didn't start this. <laughs> no, come on, but but you know what though that that really really kind of speaks to one of the goals of this podcast that we wanted to have, which is looking at how we exist as Black people and the things that we do for ourselves that may not be part of the norm, but is healing to us and helpful to us. And even if it's, excuse me, even if it's not acknowledged by society, doesn't mean it's not effective and doesn't mean it's not as valid a coping strategy as anything they have defined. Here's an interesting um, thought, too. We talk about going to the continent. Like there was an article about the devastation of the genocides in Rwanda years ago. Mm. There were a lot of people who were coming in with this wonderful heart psychologist, psychiatrist, etc., who were coming into Rwanda to help people deal with the post-traumatic stress of the, the, the mm. civil war, actually, yeah. the genocide. And so they'd have these sessions, et cetera. And it was really interesting because the villagers eventually asked people to leave. They asked the psychologists, et cetera, to leave. They just thought that was really peculiar. It's like, no, we want to help. Let us know what we're doing wrong. We want to make sure that we're, we're facilitating and supporting you. Like, we don't want to feel like we're hurting you. Like, tell us why you want us to go. And so they were basically like, well, like, I know you're trying to help, but you're like where we come from, like if we're, if someone is hurt, we, everyone stops what they're doing and they go be with them. Mm. Secondly, there's no music. How do you want me to feel better if there's no music? Mm. And then third, you know, you're like, no one's playing the drum. Like, how are you going to help this <laughs> energy? No one's playing the drum. And then, and then last, and then lastly, it's like, well, there's, you're, you're having to sit inside. Like we need to, you need to go sit outside. We need yeah. to be outside. We need to be mm-hmm. with people and we need drums. Wow. For us to move the trauma, you're making us do the exact right. opposite. <laughs> right. right. So that's how much music is a part of our healing process. Yeah. 
um, it goes back way, you know, to the continent that, you know, yes, we have music for fun, but it is an integral part of our process to move information that's been trapped in us, memories that have been trapped in us, traumas, et cetera, that have been trapped is actually how to, how do you move that through your body? And in order to move your body, you need music to move your body, to help move things through your body. The same way you physically sweat out toxins mm-hmm. when you dance, mm-hmm. it also allows for other things to be moved and shift and displaced as necessary. Um, and there are a lot of ancient understandings about that. But I think um, it's not that ancient. It's, it's just a very common idea. It just needs to, to kind of grab hold back to who we are so that we can, um, we can designate what it should be and how it's just like the folks in Rwanda designate how it, how it works for us as opposed to it being dictated to us in the mainstream culture. Absolutely. Right. Right. Absolutely. I remember, um, actually... Don't tell nobody. But <laughs> when I first moved, bleep this out. Just between the three of us and everybody else. Uh, when I first moved back to the DMV, I I was like, go go, come on now, get get it with all the noise. <laughs> a few years, um, not a few, quite a few years in living here. My grandmother passed away, and we're Trinidadian, so we go back for her funeral you know and they're playing my uncle's playing the drums and we're moving we're moving through through the process and uh I come back home and I'm like well wait a minute now I I feel I feel a little different about this go-go mm-hmm. music and all this banging <laughs> and such when I learned to look and appreciate the origins of what this was what this go-go was yeah. what these drums Absolutely. were where it, it gave me a complete new 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 outlook on what go-go was and how it sounded and how it resonated within my soul it was mm. amazing but i got that from attending my grand oh, i was in a whole another country mm. another part, part of the world but it opened up a part of me that i didn't even know existed mm. really it's so powerful when you i feel like when you can get it from like an authentic source. Yeah, it was really spectacular. Like when you talk about funerals, you know, obviously um, New Orleans has their style of funerals, um, mm-hmm. you know, the jazz march kind of like funerals and stuff. But when I went to Africa earlier this year and we were looking at our host had like her her family's albums out and we were looking at the funeral photos and it was like, this was an exact replica of New Orleans funerals. It was the wow. exact same wow. thing. And we were like, we looking at the pictures. Everybody was smiling. They had food and everyone had matching outfits. And stuff. I was like, <laughs> I was like what? it's a party. It's, it's that music. It, it, like you were saying, it helps you get through trauma. But to me, it also helps you get through instance and time and, mm. and pain, which not in my grandmother dying wasn't traumatic, but it was yeah. painful as hell. And it helped me get through that time and that space. And that is the beauty of music. And I think in relation to Black people yep. specifically. Yep. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a supportive therapy. It's a primary one. Mm, I like that. Right. It's a yeah. primary one. It's a primary it's, one as opposed to a supplemental one. Right. It's, it's natural. It's, nice. it's yeah. Resma Mannequin, he wrote a book um, called uh, my grandmother's hands and it's about um he he is a black therapist but it's about um healing uh racialized trauma and mm-hmm. what he talks about is that we can't really you know like trauma is not the kind of thing that we can like heal in these kind of cognitive ways where we're thinking about it and talking through it and you know i mean that that has its place but really mm-hmm. it's in the body right mm-hmm. um and 
you know, some of the the sort of like practices that he kind of promotes to kind of move through it. Uh, you know, I found my like one of them is is humming, right? You know, like thinking back and songs that you, you grew up Grandma with or you, your grandmother's <laughs> grandma's home or your mama's home. Exactly. And and using that and humming and how that actually can help with working through, you know, trauma in the body. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. Like yeah, there's a, actually, we met him in Providence. There's a, uh, there's a, a vocalist that we met through the Rhode Island Black Storytellers, and his name is Fred Johnson, uh, Baba Fred Johnson. And he's a singer, jazz vocalist, phenomenal voice. Uh, but he um, learned certain vocal mod- modalities uh, mm-hmm. through a group, um, a sect of people called the Jollies in West Africa. Mm. And so he realized his calling and realized his calling has been with him his whole time. He was uh, in foster care most of his life. Um, and he said when he was younger, he didn't speak, but he would rock and he would hum. And that was his way of nurturing himself because he didn't have that. He didn't have anyone to do it for him when he was little. Mm-hmm. And innately somehow he knew he needed to have that uh, to keep him, keep him stable him mm-hmm. available or something um and now he's this master vocalist and he talks and he lectures about the healing properties of the voice yeah. it's, it's a really sophisticated thing uh, we kind of just like mm, i'm humming or whatever right. but it's actually rather sophisticated mm-hmm. um and, and when you hear fred johnson speak about it you, wow. you really understand uh why it's so sophisticated he works with folks in uh, that are that are understanding the healing properties of music and vibration and all mm. these different universities. Really, allowed it to be an established science. Um, yeah. We already know. We already do it. No one has to say right. it to that part. <laughs> that to say, part. But it needs to be validated and quantified in some, certain arenas. Right. So it has to go through yeah. that process to be validated, right. and us being our genius to be validated. Um, and that hopefully is what this does it it takes back the need for that external validation we know what the we know you know what I mean we gotta stop waiting for people to tell us that when you were speaking about him all I heard was you speaking Mm -hmm. power right you were what he teaches what he studies what he knows is really just reminding us of the power that we have within us it's not something that has to be given to us it's ours and if it's ours to share if we want to share but that idea that music your voice that vibration is power I think is a big Mm -hmm. big deal um so 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 let's let's bring it back to you specifically um what you know what role let's see um what do you feel like what role has music and sort of creativity played in your life specifically, right? I think up until this point, we've talked about kind of how you've, your creativity and, you know, music has helped others, but how, how, how has it helped you? First thing that happens is we are in a civilized society. Civilized. This is why I love, <laughs> so love hip hop because I have always to, to, a, to a detriment um have been you know growing up caribbean you're just like always like you have to be on your p's and q's you better talk right you better act right you better you know et cetera et cetera et cetera um and but there's sometimes it's like but i don't want to say it nicely and i don't 
I don't want to have to be concerned about how you feel about what's being said before I have to be concerned about what I'm saying. You know, with with hip hop, it allowed me to express that part of me that was deemed unladylike, or it allowed me to express that part of me um, that was considered uncivil. I could, even for a long time, even though in a long time I didn't cuss in music, um, I recently started cussing music, actually very recently, in the last three years or so. I started, like, you know, that w- it was so saturated. Uh-huh. I think that was part of it. It was gotcha. just so saturated. You always hold cuss music in, in hip hop. It was yep. like, let me just try to not do that. Right, um, right. And so uh, recently I, I, it's been, you know, I would still say what I want. Um, it, 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 it let me, like if someone, if someone was just acting like a real Pardon me, but bitch, um, mm. I don't know if I can say that on the podcast. Or you you okay. sure can. You sure can. If that one's actually just like a straight bitch. Some part of me would try to take the higher role. Okay, I understand. All right. But when someone was like being some kind of way, I wouldn't be like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> I wouldn't talk like that to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, not for real. But hip hop, for me, allowed me to express a fuller part of me, sexually, you know what I mean? You're not supposed to say certain things. You're not supposed, mm. to, but like I could say those things. And hip hop, listening to hip hop, always gave me that. Listening to Little Kim, like, am I mm-hmm. supposed to be? Where was I going to learn? But that's the whole thing. People love that. Like, oh, you shouldn't be listening to that. Well, then where am I supposed to learn? Exactly. Where am I supposed to learn right. about giving head? Somebody tell me. Where, right. Where do you learn Little that? Kim gonna say? You can't learn that in the Bible. You can't learn that in the Quran. You right. can't learn. Where, where was I supposed to learn? Right. That's the part of the right? right? So anyway. And we all memorize Little Kim's. I mean, hey. <laughs> but they were, they were corridors of life that it gave me access to and permission that was really important in me being able to experience my full, my full self and not just like the prettified puritanistic mm. version that you're supposed to poise and offer. Wow. Um, you can be your full self and realize that that actually did not dismantle anything. It didn't cast you into any fiery brimstone or anything. It was just like, no, I'm, I'm upset. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm upset. I don't like this. And I don't like this behavior. I don't like this energy. Um, And it also other behaviors and things that you're not allowed to be, you're not allowed to be cocky in real life. You're not allowed to be like, nigga, these titties is everything. And you (laughs) get with it. <laughs> right. I mean, but the thing is, you we can, but the cost that we have to pay sometimes, right. not everyone's willing to right. pay it, right? And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be, be a cost this, kind of associated with it. Yeah. It shouldn't, right? It shouldn't be a cost. I should be able to yeah, exist. That's a perfect way to put it because really, that's that's what it gave again back to the container. It gave you a container to do that where the cost was not as, as, yeah, as high. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You know yep, what I'm saying? Yep, like, yep. I could, I could, it gave me a place to do that. Mm. And um, I, I didn't have to, it, I didn't have to worry about backlash. I could say, bitch, whatever, whatever. I may be in my heart be talking about somebody else, be talking to someone right. specifically, mm-hmm. but it gave me a chance to say that to them, even if I never said their name. Right. And they knew you were talking to them. They knew. <laughs> and it's, it's, it, it gives me that. I think that's the mm. first and primary thing okay. that, that it gave me because personally is my, is the, uh, the permission to be a fully realized person. Um, I, I enjoy hip hop for that reason. And I think the other thing that it's given me um, 
is just access. You know, if we're African-American people, oftentimes, you know, it's access. You get education, music, um, sports, you know, tend to be your access because you don't, you don't, you're not born into wealth. Very few people of color are born into wealth Mm -hmm. and um, the industry is brimming with all kinds of different people. So it allows you to have an experience um, and step into other tier and of of cultures and society that Mm -hmm. you would normally interface with. The music industry, industry allowed me to actually see how much money people have and what they do with it and um, their attitude about it. And gave me permission to be like, well, you can have, you may not have all that money yet, but you can have that attitude mm-hmm. and see what happens. Yeah. Um, yep. And um, it gave me, it gave me a real education about, about power and politics and, and, and excess, just, just like mm. absolute excess. Like, I'm just like, you have so much money to put on these festivals and to put on these programs there's got to be a way to make that work better um, without it feeling like just like a throwaway or only be- beneficial to a sector and to yourself. Yeah. Um, like there's a way to be multidimensionally winning, yeah. you know, like mm. Dockett and I have coined, it's just like, you know, the win-win situation is very limited mm. as much as brag about it. It really should be a win-win-win-win situation. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's really our our format like that's really how we should rock it's just like okay yeah we get to shoot the music video and we get to have a lavish presentation but also like all of these kids from the hood get to come in and watch it and participate and be a part of it and learn and realize that there's another thing that could come out of that and you know uh the 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 there's a program in place so that these kids could, you know, maybe do the recycling and watch the video. So now we're taking care of the earth while we're doing the music video, while we're making money, while we're being creative. Like, it's just about being, for the most part, it's about making money and being creative. And that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But you have a lot more dimensions to it mm-hmm. very easily, very easily. Right. It's just like not a, cons- it, they don't have to bother. They don't have to bother. Ah, all right. So, so when it gets down to it, um, what music do you listen to 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 make you feel good, to help you feel good? You know what I'm listening to right now? There's a young artist out of L.A. Her name is Mariba. Mm. She's Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. And I actually have been listening to this one track of her. Well, I've been listening to her, her album. Whenever I stretch and do my yoga at night before I go to bed, I listen to her album. I have been for the last, I don't know, two, three months. It's just such a vibe. Like It's eerie. Um, it has like, it's it's. It's got an LA vibe to it, but there's something Appalachian, you know, like, I don't know, like the hill, there's some vocally, like there's some sort of hillbilly harmonies that she does. It's so interesting to me, but she had a song. I was using this song to manifest uh, this, this, what I wanted for a long time. She has a song called Black Truck. Um, and so yes, like a couple of days ago, we just bought a, a, a new black truck. Um, <laughs> our first new brand yeah. car. Um, but I was listening to her quite a bit. I was just like, this is how I want to feel this. I love the way this track feels. It just talks about the experience of what that feels like, why you want that feeling. You know what I mean? Like Mm, visualization, but but felt, felt. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, music does just like it. it, That's why hip hop was so important. It's just like, it's, it's one thing to want to see yourself a certain way. It's one thing to want to see yourself in a position and to work for it. But you also, it also has to be married with a feeling. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It has to be yep. married to a feeling. 
Um, and, uh, but the doubt is, is, you know, people's doubts about what you're doing and you being able to prove them wrong. It's like that black truck was just like a, a representation of being like proving them wrong. Like now you're going to see me pull up. Now you have to watch me pull up. Wow. Yeah, that's real. Absolutely. Now you gotta look at it. Say something now. Right. <laughs> cool. But oh, this was great. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, please again. If you guys want to find out more, um, Shaka and I have a new record coming out. It's called Flowers for the Living. Um Love it. it's really beautiful. It's gonna have a bunch of house electronic vibes, but kind of old school electronic vibes. Um, we're really excited about this. We have more music coming out. You can find us at at RAS Hip Hop um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Riders Against the Storm on Facebook. Riders as an R I D E R S Against the Storm. Thanks, Kidada, for the great interview. I told you her energy was fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll leave her info in the show notes so you can check her and her husband, Riders Against the Storm, out. You guys will not be disappointed. All right, Misty. So now let's get a little personal and talking about music. All right. So let's okay. talk about how kind of the role music has played in our lives and our kind of like the soundtrack of our lives. Ooh, the soundtrack of our lives. You know, I just, I grew up um, with a grandmother that, that sang to us. Um, she would just sing songs, right? And it was like the most nurturing thing for us. Um, and I think she, through her song, she created this, this sense of safety. Um, I know that I felt it, um, at least some songs, you know, were songs about just like life things. Like I remember the birds and the bees, like, let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that song by Diane Reeves, uh, better days? It's about, it's about a, a woman and her grandmother. Okay. It's so good. But anyway, right, when you I'll were talking it about it, that's what it made me think of. So, I mean, that was sort of like some of my early, you know, experiences or just kind of like the backdrop. I right. Mean, we would always just kind of sing around the house. Like my mom would sing. I remember learning, um, uh, what was it? Rapper's Delight or, you know, the, the Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. Before I ever even heard the song, I knew the lyrics to it. Right. right. You know, my mom was like, to, or she would just like be around the house, like, rapping and so have you ever went over your friend's house to eat and the food was just no good like the macaroni side the peas on the no. chicken tastes like wood right like so no. we were like yeah we because we we related to that experience right who made the macaroni salad two things you can't get wrong in, in a black cookout is is the potato salad and the macaroni salad right and but i anyway. don't eat either <laughs> yeah but so i mean that was sort of like the backdrop right you know just music was just kind of just in the air a little you know a bit and it was mostly just like sounds from the times you know um one of our traditions that we didn't really I don't think we thought about it that much but it was like something that was like a big thing in probably the black community in in Providence in Rhode Island the radio station WBRU uh, which was actually Brown one of Brown University's radio stations for the entire Sunday they would play um black music um and so oh, you get one um, they would play day. gospel in them right one whole day one right whole you know day. and so that would be the day where we would all you know get out our like tapes yeah yeah and record yeah. like <laughs> and if we had like an old tape that we didn't listen to anymore and then we were, like we could sacrifice because we didn't have record any, like, right over it we record over it exactly Yo. um so we would record sundays Make your own little mixtapes. What exactly? Make Talk about things our children will never know about. They, 
exactly but it's so funny as you were saying how you (laughs) when you were little be in the house singing um rapper's delight Mm -hmm. one of the first songs i ever taught my son was well part part of the song was um shabba ranks oh ling-a-ling-a-ling when he was so little just so it first first i taught it to him because it just brought me such joy to see this little mm-hmm. kid singing shabba ranks because i'm a fool but two also you know it's part of my culture you know caribbean music you know things like that so that that and then the second song i taught him was um the message by um fairies five and grandmaster okay, flash yeah don't push yes, me because um right Dumb the two songs that yes. i taught my son that i'm like yeah, i just out of the blue i'll be like I love that. I love that he knows it. Yes. Yes. Oh man. Forcing my music onto my child. It's only natural. My first memories of music are 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 I feel like the first first music I really remember being a part of my life was like Prince, right? Mm, Like yes. Because my dad's side of the family that lived in dc loved prince and he mm. it, it was just it's the first music i really ever remember like knowing and hearing and you know so definitely one grandma singing to me mm-hmm. and my print favorite prince song to this day is darling nikki which is very not family friendly but um it was their passion and their their love for for the music that made me love Prince as much as I ended up loving him. You know, it was just, mm. everything was Prince, 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 Purple is, you know what I mean? Like their connection to the music, Prince's music made me feel connected to them because mm. there was a point in time where I lived in New York and they were here and I didn't see them. But when I would hear that music, mm. I would always say, oh, that's DC music. You know what I mean? Yep, because yep. it made me think of my dad and my dad's family. So that was kind of like, my, or that is my first kind of memory memory mm. mm, I love it I love it I, I've always I'm an old school kind of girl and not mm-hmm. young kids now call old school which they talk about like 90s music <laughs> right exactly I know that's what my kids say right old school boy yesterday's old school according to y'all but <laughs> um but now I'm I've always been like a uh like a like a Motown girl, you know. Okay. The old oldies but goodies. The oldies but goodies. Okay, I do. Or as I was like, when I think about it, I I used to like a lot of Luther Vandross, a okay. lot of Anita Baker, yes. you know, Patty Labelle. What? I fight you over Patty Labelle. Um, you know, it's just all though that music that feel the stylistics, the you know, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, like Gee, that, that's okay, my spirit. If you put on anything of anyone that is of the next generation, that's my shit. That was your like, okay. Still okay. to this day, to this yeah. day, I would rather listen to the stylistics than uh, who I don't know Trey songs or somebody like. If okay, I, I get you. So that's where my spirit kind of always lies. But you know, I had the mix growing up, so Soka was always you know so that calypso was always a part of my life like during christmas time their christmas you know the christmas carols but we was listening to parang and mm. you know that sound is kind of what my christmases sound mm-hmm. like wow you know, yep yep that, okay 
the Temptations Christmas in there too, but you know, yep. mine is more of a Caribbean feel. Yeah. Caribbean music in, in mm. itself, soca, calypso, reggae, whatever. Now yep. talk about getting my spirit. That that yep. I know for sure is part of my spirit. It's part of me. Yes. My waist will not stay still if I hear, you know, the right <laughs> sounds not, put together. It's not possible, right? It's right. like, no, no, no. They just start moving, right? Right. And and because no matter where I go, either side of my family, music is a part of that. It's a big mm-hmm. part of that. Yep. Every when I'm with my cousins on my dad's side, like we, uh, for example, my one of my best my best cousin Ayana, we had this mixtape when we were in high school, and it had like Babyface on it, and mm. like, yeah. Oh, I forget who uh, Denise Williams on it. Like oh yes, and that was yes. our mixtape and. Yep. We'll hear mm-hmm. these songs today and be like, girl, remember that was on our tape? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, that connection, it made, that's my connection to her. It makes me feel so good. But if I go home to Trinidad, man, first of all, the whole country's music. You, <laughs> you wake up in the morning, o'clock in the morning, someone down the street got their radio playing and the whole neighborhood can hear. So you can't escape music. It's in you. So, yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me, I feel like R&B has been like probably the, the most consistent sort of mm-hmm. staple, probably because my mom, I mean, she was also a young mom, right? So so like right. her, her interests in music was like close to my, you know, my right. peers interest in music. I mean, slightly, you know, slight a slight generation off, but, you know, right. not too far. So I, I could, you know, I was always able to vibe with, you know, the R&B um, stuff. And so I, I feel like the 90s, the R&B of, of the 80s, you know, late 80s and 90s made up my foundation probably, yeah. you know. Um, like SWV and such? Or SWV, like- you know, you got the shy. My mom loves some shy for some reason. You know, Jodeci, um, yeah. even the boys, even. Um, Do you remember the boys? I remember the boys, yes. So many people don't remember, or High Five. Do you remember High, high five? five? I remember High Five. Those are all the folks, right? <laughs> exactly, right. Like those are the, those are, that's the music. Of <laughs> and so I feel like there's like that, you know, the, the that romantic or I don't even know if romantic is the word right you know we don't call it romantic feel good it's like, music, it's like feel though. good like love music or you know um is in my bones a bit right. you know what I mean it's like that that little piece of me you know so mm-hmm. when I when I'm feeling like in a mood right it's it's R&B that I'll kind of that I'll go to you yeah. know um talk but, about a mood yeah. music is a what whatever is. what mood you got if what I mood? am angry at my husband I got a playlist if I'm in love love with my husband I got a playlist if I'm getting ready to go out I got a playlist if I'm ready to go to bed I got a playlist I'm ready to get you know (laughs) bed. I got a playlist Uh you know what I mean like (laughs) what there is a song for every mood there sure is I know as I got older though and especially when I was living in New York like rap like was my thing I would come mm-hmm. down to visit my family mm-hmm. and they'd be like I mean enough with the like DOS effects and shit you know what I mean <laughs> like I that? used to like DOS effects. R- what like rap rap I used to like hard hardcore rap and um that was that was my it made me feel cool it made me feel like I knew something that not everybody knew you know what I mean and like I could pick you know 
I loved, you know, yeah. later on, I loved outcasts and, yep. you know, different kind of rap groups like that. But that expression like Jay-Z to me is a genius to watch any man, especially black man rap in the way their mind works and the way they are able to put together those words and express those feelings in eloquent ways and, and using metaphors and making mm-hmm. you think, and it can be double entendre. Man, I find it oh, so amazing, so yep. amazing. So I'm a, a big a pre, have a big appreciation for rap and a absolutely, absolutely, and me too. Um, I mean, I always vibe with hip hop. I mean, hip hop was yeah. always like a part of the, you know, it's like, and then the, the whole R and B hip hop movement for that moment, New right? Jack Swing, right, <laughs> right. You know, um, I mean, that was that was a big thing, and I secretly wanted to like rap i mean actually in middle school i used to write what you could have been like missy elliott and i love missy elliott i love you know like i mean i i mean i i really got into nas and method man like you know Uh, wu-tang right like (laughs) i love method man so much and just i mean just a you know a bunch of folks right um but so i mean i used to sing and you know try to try to rap i mean i think i probably kept rap more on the on the low you know like I would just do that like in my oh you a whole ass performance you know like I would write my own joints I would I would I remember writing a a song for my sister for my brother right you know for you know like little theme songs you're about to write our (laughs) next theme song (laughs) but yeah but I you know I have my little secret you got skills though you got skills I see it I can tell every now and then me and the kids we we would do these like little freestyle things in the car but I would never do any of that in front of anybody else I'm sorry, we waiting for you to bust a rhyme, Misty, bust a rhyme. Yo, I have one rap that I've had all my life. You can ask my husband. Let me hear it, let me hear it. We first met when I was 16. Here you go. My name is Key. I got a knee. He, 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 he. (laughs) So much so, even my son knows that's my rap, okay? He's only been on this earth for nine years and he knows that's my rap. Ah, that's lyricist in these streets right you know (laughs) do you have a favorite artist no i don't i think i've always loved erica badu um i was introduced to her in high school in late high school i think lauren hill is also somebody that i really have always loved as well for both of them i think they have kind of helped me through different parts of life um for erica especially when I think her second or her full album dropped her second I think it was her second album drop when Bag Lady came out oh my goodness Mm -hmm. for me that was like that song it just it just resonated with me like something about that idea of carrying baggage right and and just the impact that it has right on our on our well-being and our ability to move forward in life you know that really kind of stood out to me I think it was really beautiful, I think, to hear some direct healing because that that's what healing is, right? It's like working through, moving through, kind of understanding what heavy loads we're carrying and, and how we release them. Um, and so I think, you know, hearing her, that was one of the first times that I really got to, I got to really see my experience playing out in song. And I, and I've, always loved Erica and everything she's put out. I, I just, I see her as a full artist. Um, and I think Lauren, you know, I was listening to Lauren since before she kind of came out on her own when she was with the Fugees um, and just always loved the energy that she brought um, 
I know she came out with the miseducation of Lauren Hill. And I think I was in high school when that came out, but you know, so much, so many, so much of her stuff kind of like just resonated with my own experience kind of coming of age, you know, and, and growing into young adulthood. Um, and actually her song Zion was one that I kind of clung to when I uh, became pregnant with my, my first son, you know, and, you know, as a young mom, I was 21 and, you know, it was really conflicted inside myself about it. And, um, I think her, her words, you know, gave me some solace, right? It gave me some, yeah, help me to, to be at peace with my decision, right? To, to, to kind of move, move forward with motherhood. You know, I think that was a support, you know, for that time. Have you ever seen Erica ba- Badu perform live? I haven't seen, I never got to see her perform Let live. me tell you about an energetic experience mm-hmm. now i know a lot of people don't have the same um reaction to watching her perform but when i say it is artistry watching mm-hmm. her perform watching her use her voice and just to the the energy she releases girl every time <laughs> i see her i try to see her when she's in in town she is one of my favorite too yeah jill yep. scott I love me Jill some Scott. Jill Scott. I love Jill Scott too. Are the, those your favorite folks? Ooh. Well, no, I mean, I don't know that I have favorites, but I got, like, if if I were to say what my favorite song is, my favorite song, which is weird to say favorite, but is, uh, I think it's The Night Shift by the Commodores, which is a song about Marvin Gaye and Jackie Robinson, uh, the Commodores, a, a trip, uh, a tribute song where they are singing about basically missing Marvin and Jackie. Yeah. And um, it makes me think of my dad. When my father passed away, there were so many songs I could not listen to. Mm-hmm. And I could not listen to those songs because they made me so sad. And even though Night Shift, that song also is sad, but it made me feel good for some reason. And it made me feel good to think about him when I heard that song because you don't hear it that often. Yeah, but that's yeah. like I would say one of my most favorite songs in the world. Yeah. Oh, I love I love that. Oh, that's that's the sweetest. Um, but I think in college, some of the folks that I loved, you know, Talib Kweli. Yes. And, you know, Black Star. Um, most and uh, most deaf when he was called yep. most deaf. Oh uh, yeah, um, I thought I swore that most deaf. You know, we was gonna have some kids and stuff. You know. Yo, he, he had was... this one song that used to crank about this girl with a big booty, and I was like, I know I ain't got a big booty, but. I most I could be your girl. I could be your girl. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. And right, common. Um, yep. you know, those sort of earlier underground folks who became sort of more mainstream, you know, ultimately they really spoke to that that part of me um that was developing sort of a political um consciousness, right? Um, and also that was that sense of of black pride that was sort of developing dmx hold on i'm sorry oh, okay. I have oh, a no, music episode and not mention my man DMX. <laughs> what i DMX. hate dogs i'm scared of dogs but DMX, <laughs> my dog you hear me he is talk about conveying emotion he can make you feel he, you ain't even got to believe in god and he get to bark at you and you like oh yes lord i believe i believe 
Well, sometimes, you know, he in the spirit and sometimes he's fighting the spirit. But nonetheless, I feel what he's doing each time. That's <laughs> my dog. Yeah, there's I feel like there's I, um, like too many folks to like me. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, it's so hard like to, to be like, what's your favorite? I'm like, I don't there, know. There is all. no favorite. I feel like favorites come in time period. Yeah, time so, yeah. Or in description, like if one of the songs one of the questions we were going to ask if we did it like this was, you know, songs that kind of describe you at different points in your life. And for me, LL Cool J, Round the Way Girl. Okay. Like okay. that, not that I'm the girl in the song, but I'm the girl in the song. You know what I mean? Like that makes, that to me is that, if you play that song, which like, she kind of like that, you know, that would be a okay description, you know? And then also like Jasmine Sullivan's Bush Your Windows Out Your Car. I okay. Girl too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who can be her? So <laughs> there is just there's so music does so much healing for me personally. You know, it's it's I, I don't know that I could exist without it. And the whole point is all of the songs that we've talked about in mm-hmm. some way has provided some type of support to our mm-hmm. black systems and our black exactly. spirits in exactly. some way it either has helped us get through something or mm-hmm. brought us something so it exactly. brought us joy yes. it brought us uh understanding yeah. it brought us you know mm-hmm. the ability to express emotion that we weren't able to in some right. way but nonetheless right. it has served us there is music therapy that <laughs> is a thing as well and that is a modality <laughs> that is used effectively for a lot of people to treat many things, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, I guess in the traditional kind of world, it, it may not be seen as something that can be helpful, you know, in, right. in, in healing or su- support, you know, a, a growth and, and, you know, positive processes, but really that's what it has always been for us. Right. right. Um, and that's what it continues to do. Right. It, all right. So let's get to our takeaways. What are some of the highlights from this session about the healing power of music? I, I, I mm-hmm. think he Dada had a great point mm. of how music kind of gave her the permission and space mm-hmm. to be free. Yes. Yep. Um, I think she talked about how, you know, we all we all feel that pressure to to kind of play into those politics of respectability and, you know, all of that. And music can be that space to express, you know, those other things that we feel, you know, right. those other emotions that we feel or those other, you know, inclinations that we have to just be. Right. I, what I like about it is, although she talked about being in the container, she didn't mm-hmm. talk about being contained. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Right. Because it's sort of like, being in that, being in that music space, right, you know, in that container that's a, that people can see and, and feel and relate to, mm-hmm. essentially gives folks that permission to, right, to be, mm-hmm. to be free, right? It's yeah. like, and so I, I think that that is a really beautiful point and takeaway, you right. know, that Kidata brings is that music can be freeing, right? Right. And yeah. I think that also can go into our second takeaway, which is you can't steal our joy. So it's music gives us this freedom to express our joy and, and is joy not only in happy feelings, but in meaning the joy to be able to express whatever we need to express. Mm-hmm. You can't stop us from that. Mm-hmm. And music and freedom 
Mm. go together in that sense, right? In order for me to be free, I need to be able to express this music in how I need to express it. Mm -hmm. And because I'm expressing that means I'm doing it the way I want to. And this is my joy you can't have. Mm. You can't. You can want it to be a certain way, but the way I, in which I decide to deliver it is my freedom. And that is the control I have that you will never take away from me. Right. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> um, I think another takeaway um, is that music can also help us to work through pain. Right. Right. And it does, and, you know, it does it in, in a sort of palatable way, right? Like a way that is. You know, sometimes it's just hard to, to kind of sit with it. But if you're a, a great a example screen. of that is um, Jay-Z has a song called Song Cry. Mm. And in, in the song, it says basically he can't let the tears fall out his eyes. So he has to make the song cry. Yeah. Right. Wow. So I yep. can't me as mm. a black man, Jay-Z, I can't sit here be crying over no girl. So I'm gonna go ahead and put this in this song to express that emotion and release that really same so. type of you mm -hmm. know energy that needed to be yeah ready. that connection right that is and it goes once again back to Kidada's uh goes back to Kidada's point of the container right so mm. music is the container mm -hmm. in this sense when we're feeling the pain so we uh, envelop ourselves in music to mm -hmm. help deal with this pain yep Yep. So it's not it's not the sense that this container is taking us somewhere. It's more that this container is helping us feel safe. Yep. And feel like we have a space to heal. Yeah. And I, I think the other the other thing right, is, um, you know, music has been with us, you know, forever. Right? right. And it's the thing that has not and cannot be taken away, you know, um, from us. Um, and it's there and accessible you know, to use and engage with and create, you know, as, as we need it. Right. That goes back to the control, right? So mm -hmm. it's something that's always within me. And if it's there, then I can always use it to help me. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't have to seek outside of myself for that support. It's within me. I can hum a song. I could, you know, think a song, you know, I can <laughs> drum on the mm -hmm. desk. I can do whatever, but it's mm -hmm. within me to help heal whatever it is that needs to be healing, healed, yep. healing. Absolutely. Healed. All right. So you guys know a little bit about the kind of music that Misty and I enjoy, the artists, the genres. What are some of the songs, artists, or music that you enjoy? or that would be included in your life soundtrack. So hit us up on IG uh, at HWB podcast, or you can email us at healingwhileblackpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we would love to know what y'all rocking to, been rocking to, or, mm -hmm. you know, where y'all are with music. What has it meant <laughs> to you? All right. So yes, we like to send a shout out to all of our listeners. Um, thank you so much for rocking with us through each of these episodes. Um, yes. we really thank you for your support. You guys been sticking with us. It's been great. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, we also want to give a shout out to, to folks nationally and internationally that tune in. Shout out to our folks in Washington, D.C., um, in, in Chicago, in Taiwan, and we want to give a real warm thank you to Kidada for yes. spending time with us today. That was a blessing. That was such a blessing. a blessing. Such wisdom, such fire. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.